And welcome to Spellcast episode 13. I'm your host, Courtney, and I have with me my co-host, Andrielle. Greetings, friends. It's great to be back. This is lucky episode number 13. Thank you for joining us. Yes, and we have back with us today, Ignatius. Good evening, everyone. It's wonderful to be back. And we also have our friend, Mr. Gotcha. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. Good to have you back. Great to have you back, brother. <laughs> yeah, it's good to be back. Awesome. Um, so today we have a, a very interesting episode ahead. Um, it kind of was brought on spur of the moment by a big um, Instagram kind of trend. Not really trend, but like a big discussion right now um, in the witchy Instagram community. So, but first, before we do that, um, I would like to make a shout out to all of the Spellcast supporters. Um, we recently started uh, listener support on Anchor. Uh, we're still working on Patreon. We haven't gotten a chance to do it. August has been kind of ridiculous. I'm sure you guys have all seen uh, my posts on Instagram about it to kind of keep you up to date. But anyway, uh, we're working on Patreon. But you can always donate to the show through Anchor. Um, there's special perks that come along with that, of course. And, um, you know, I'd like to thank everyone that uh, has supported so far. Um, on Instagram, his name is R3GD3Z, Ernest. And also... Um, XFX, I hope I say her name right, uh, Ashley, and of course, um, the Winter Witch, and I really, or Winter Witch Spirit, I really appreciate you guys, um, thank you so much for donating to the show and help keeping it running, um, you know, as we go, we're going to be able to get better and better equipment and deliver an even better show for you guys, so thanks so much, um, and if anyone wants to support and donate, you can go to anchor.fm forward slash spellcast. Um, you can always read out to us too if you have any questions. Um, but yeah, so Andrea, I think is going to start us off today with our lucky number thirteen episode. Wonderful. So, um, uh, for those of you in the magic community, uh, thirteen is not uh, a number of bad luck so much as it's a number of great power. Um, and one uh, particular deity that is associated with that particular number is none other than the Greek goddess of witchcraft and the crossroads, Ekate. Uh, she is a beautiful entity who I have had uh, quite a pleasure of experiencing on multiple occasions. Uh, she's a lot of fun, uh, commands respect, and is the most ancient of uh, deities. She goes back further than the Olympian gods, and she is the only titan god that zeus uh revered and respected so i suppose we jump into i guess a little bit of our own experience and uh a little bit of uh trivia about uh ecate um not to uh well there's kind of a pun there because the romans actually alighted her with the goddess trivia uh but that's uh that's, that's neither here nor there oh my god <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, Mr. Gacha, do you have any experience with Hecate? Um, I do enjoy reading about her a lot. I, I haven't really worked any rituals or anything around her, but, um, you're saying that she's older than the Greek pantheon? She is a Titan, uh, deity in the Greek pantheon, so she predates the Olympians. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. So when Zeus took over and, and overthrew Kronos and uh, um, you know, Uranus, all the other Titan deities, uh, he put 
them in, I suppose, for lack of a better word, put them in their place in regards to mythology. Yeah. But for some reason, Zeus revered uh, Hecate uh, enough and respected her enough, gifted her with multiple gifts and pretty much let her do her own thing. Um, unlike uh, most deities, she is not particularly bound to a particular area. Uh, she can travel wherever she wants. As a being of the crossroads, uh, she is not uh, constricted. She is very far-reaching. Um, uh, there, are, there are many interesting tales about her and how she kind of stands out uh, in comparison to every other deity. Not that it's a linear comparison, but uh, she definitely is the most unusual, such as magic in and of itself. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah i love her she was uh she she came to me in particular uh, uh last year around november around the time of her feast i want to say yeah. that's november 17th is, is the feast of fact day yeah or... i think so yeah when we were in italy actually is the first time um we made contact with her and i mean since then she's definitely been a deity that we kind of communicate with um along with jupiter they seem to be the two that really um like to kind of talk to us and be around so she's really is she, would you say she's prideful or more so like dignified i'd say she's very she's definitely very dignified i think um much like a lot of us uh in the magic community uh that are that are uh, a little more well adjusted um and an ego would probably only come out to squash uh, a dangerous ego that is very un, uh, un uh, regimented, uh, an ego that needs to be brought down. So I'd say the only time she'd ever come into a place that's prideful is if someone really set her off. Yeah. Yeah, and she seems to be a lot less fickle than a lot of the Greek pantheon. Um, and also something interesting, too, is apparently one of the stories about her is that she helped uh, Demeter look for Persephone when Hades kidnapped her. So... She just kind of, I think, does her own thing and, uh, you know, just does things for the, the good of all people. She doesn't really take sides from what I know. Yeah. I think she... Oh, I'm sorry. I always, I always uh, love deities that prefer to remain neutral. <laughs> Definitely makes uh, uh, following uh, knowledge from them a little bit more trustworthy. Actually, yeah, usually when something claims to be exclusively one way or the other, usually that's a that's another thing to watch out for. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. And you don't have to worry about them being fickle and getting pissed off for like no reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, a little synopsis about uh, Hecate. Um, a lot of people usually depict her as the old crone goddess. You know, she's a goddess of the dark moon. But uh, some would say that she's allied with uh, the moon in and of itself. That a lot of depictions of the triple goddess is uh, actually her. Um, some people uh, say that she is only the crone uh, side and that Selene and I want to say Artemis, Artemis are the other. Yeah, Artemis being the mother and Selene being the, uh, the maiden. Uh, sometimes these are, uh, I suppose, interchangeable. I yeah, suppose, they kind of change on depending world. on who you ask. Um, she, uh, though for the longest time, truth be told, uh, Hecate was never really uh, described as an older woman. That actually came... After they were, uh, after Christianity and Catholicism was starting to spread, and the whole idea of an old uh, witchy hag stirring their cauldron uh, perverted the rhetoric of certain people. No, I'm not saying that she does not appear to people in an old, wise, crone form, 
But I, much like any other deity, I think they, uh, whatever corporeal form they choose to reveal to you has a particular purpose um, in how uh, they want to relate to you and what it is they want you to understand particularly in the moment. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, if I were to imagine her as coming in some sort of a form, it would definitely be a crone. But uh, I, I definitely understand what you're saying about appearing in different different guises pertaining to like what she you know what you're supposed to learn from her most definitely yeah especially if you know it's about wisdom you're gonna want to appear as wise looking as possible because if you appear as the the maiden people probably wouldn't take her too seriously not that that's fair but you know i mean i'm sure these deities know how best to come across to people yeah definitely there's uh there's definitely something to be said um about you know how features are uh with particular deities you know truth be told there's uh and my, my my co-host is gonna is gonna mess with me because i always use her this friend of mine as an example uh-uh. mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> um i have a a wonderful uh, friend who is also uh-huh. uh very deeply rooted in the occult her name is rosetta uh, an amazing pianist and, and a good friend of mine um I, I always kind of imagine if like if like Hecate appeared, if she is a triple like any in even any triple moon goddess, uh, truth be told, would kind of have this particular dynamic um, in the sense that she would kind of depending on the angle, the time of day, the mood, anything in particular could appear as a maiden, a mother and a crone. As crazy as it sounds, um, uh, my friend, uh, she tends to sometimes look like she's a, an incredibly young lady. Other times she looks like a mother who's seen a thing or two. And occasionally she looks like an old woman, like a little old woman, like teaching in like some hut somewhere. Mm-hmm. And re- it depends on the picture. It depends on the angle, the contour. And, you know, it's commentary on uh, the female form being contoured with nature. So I don't know. I suppose if anything, maybe uh, Hecti, you know, perhaps she'd have the, the salt pepper hair, um, the... Uh, the uh, garments of, of, of dark royal black, uh, royal purple and, and shadowy black. Um, the, the, ring, uh, the, the wrinkles that are uh, not a sign of uh, decrepit aging, but a sign of uh, wisdom and experience. Uh, I would uh, have, a, have a field day uh, <laughs> describing that to, like, I suppose, a sketch artist. Hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting. Nerv- <laughs> I don't think I've ever experienced that before, but I can definitely understand where you're coming from. Um, so uh, to continue on, um, uh, Hecate, uh, her origins are Hellenic. Some people think that she might have even come from the Egyptian goddess. Uh, I want to. I hope I'm not butchering this. Uh, Heket, um, which sounds similar. It could have been a modern translation. Um, the earliest in liter- literature uh, of Hecate is in Hesiod's uh, the- uh, Theogony? Theogony? Wow, Theogony? why am I blanking on this word? Wow. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, it's different sometimes when you read it and then when you heard it and you know how it sounds, you're like, oh. Hecate, uh, whom Zeus, the son of Kronos, honored above all, he gave her splendid gifts to have a share of the earth and the, f- and the unfruitful sea. She even received honor also in starry heaven and is honored exceedingly by the, de- uh, by the deathless gods. For to this day, uh, whenever 
any one of man on earth offers rich sacrifices and prays for a favor according to custom, he calls upon Hecate. Um, great honor comes fully easily to him who, whose prayers the goddess receives favorably, and she bestows wealth upon him, um, for power surely is with her. Uh, for as many as were born of earth and ocean amongst all these, she has her due portion. Now, that's a lot of Old English, and Old English translations translating Greek really never uh, did it the, the greatest justice. But, you know, uh, in layman's terms, a uh, lot of power in all, uh, in all forms of existence. Um, she is a very, she is a very, I don't know if humble is the word, but I, I guess, you know, she's very, she's humble in her, in the way that she respects all people. But uh, <laughs> much like uh, anything else in life, the most good, uh, the most good entities are often the most dangerous. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, she's also related to um, the feminine aspect. And if you think about it, it's connected with um, earthy energies as well, where I'm sure, it, you know, it, it, she's probably associated with water and earth, um, if, I, if I'd have to take a guess. But earth and nature, I mean, nature doesn't really uh, think in good and bad. It just kind of is. Like, you know, nature doesn't really do things because it wants to hurt people or other animals or anything i mean storms happen because it's natural and that's what needs to happen for balance so i feel like that's kind of something you can tie to her is she's not doing things to be good or evil necessarily she's just doing what's best for everyone what's you know just kind of needs to happen so it's not coming from a place of bad intention or anything or you know of hurting people or the intent to favor someone over the other it's just you know, kind of just how it is. And nature is also, besides ourselves, of course, like our greatest tool for witchcraft. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Yeah. I mean, I know you uh, definitely have your connections with nature, Missy Gatch. I always see your Instagram and you living in your awesome little fort thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have it any other way right now. It looks pretty <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's it's really nice to just wake up to uh, chipmunks and birds as opposed to like lawnmowers and garbage trucks. Fair. <laughs> yes, I would agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> so continuing on. Um, so uh, Hecate uh, is usually associated. Uh, her symbols are usually uh, a key with the old uh, depiction of old keys for she unlocks all doors. She is a deity of the crossroads. Usually her crossroads is, are depicted not as uh, the four-way crossroads, but a three-way crossroads, but I suppose it depends. Um, she is depicted uh, with a serpent, uh, the dagger, uh, the two torches, and uh, the main animals that surround her are the polecat okay. and the dog. She's often depicted with a two-headed dog, not to be confused with the three-headed dog, Severus. Severus. Um, I love Severus. Uh, from what I put together, the rough translation of the name Severus is just spot. I saw that. I really want to know if that's true. Anyone that's really good at decoding Greek or knows Greek, please let us know if that's true. <laughs> As spy? Spot. Like, you know. Oh. oh. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Like a basic, a basic bitch named Bird Dog. Spot run. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, Hecate is usually uh, when you sac- 
when they sacrificed things to her uh, back in the day, they would usually actually sacrifice dogs to her because dogs, you know, were, you know, big companions there. But so that's the thing is that sacrifice, like they look at it at a lot of people nowadays look at it as always oh, this brutal thing that people did. It's like, no sacrifice back then um, meant, Oh, a dog was being sacrificed. Oh, you're getting absolved to Hecti. Like you're going to the best place. That's way better than we can ever do for you. I suppose somebody like could pervert that out of that whole like that Chinese like dog eating thing. I suppose well, if there was ever anything humane in that, which unfortunately there isn't, is not. No. Yeah, no, very very terrible. We do not we do not condone that ever. But I feel like I don't know. I feel like if I was a goddess of dogs and like humans kept sacrificing them to me, I'd be like, just I'll come get them. Like, don't kill <laughs> them to give them to me. I don't know. I feel like I wouldn't want that to happen. I don't think any sacrifice should happen unless uh, you're you're eating the whole thing and yeah, like ritual. Spirit. Yeah, you're you're honoring like you know your food and everything for the um the gift that it is, but to sacrifice something, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> People to like cut it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Um, Hecate's spears, uh, up her, her her spheres of influence, so to speak, um, or the earth, the sky, the sea all sorts of domains she is uh the goddess of all sorcery witchcraft uh necromancy all things light dark and gray so um a lot of uh honestly uh with any sort of modern worship uh, and some people i think they got superstitious with certain worship uh techniques should be told uh hecti uh has taken any offering she has liked any offering um you know, as humble as it may be. Um, I, I always very much appreciated that about her. I never felt like I had to do anything extravagant to be able to talk to her. Um, I'm not certain if she was in my dreams once. Once I definitely did have a dream about an old an old woman uh, mm. showing me how to uh, control flames on candles. That's cool. Um, things that are associated with her. So again, the dog, the polecat, the toad. Um, the plants are garlic, uh, cypress, uh, belladonna, mandrake you, you know, mandrake obviously being one of the most poisonous fruits uh, mm-hmm. you you should never pick them uh, without uh, uh wearing gloves well don't worry it's in the rainforest so i don't think anyone's gonna get too close to one the craft crossroads our business is actually uh uh attributed to her um mm-hmm. deities that are related to her are trivia uh artemis uh, diana janus rhea demeter uh, sybil um Celine is close with her. Some people say that she is the mother of uh, Cersei or Kyrke, uh, though that one is disputed. Mm. Um, and yes, and of course, to bring things full circle, uh, the number 13. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that will definitely uh, conclude this portion of uh, what it is we wanted to talk about you know definitely it's only one time to do the 13th episode friends. exactly it's a special episode so we had to do something special but seeing mm-hmm. how she is the goddess of witchcraft we want to use this as a uh, ample time to transition and segue uh to uh these interesting uh things that have uh, come into our attention mm-hmm. it's been all over the cauldron and and all sorts of uh, mainstream pagan um uh sites and pages yeah yeah so the cauldron the facebook page that we're a part of as well um and i saw this on instagram and at first you know um i try to remain as neutral as possible to most things and i didn't want to get caught up in something that was really controversial and would just kind of cause people to um be upset with one another but upon looking at it 
uh, you know, I realized that it's something important to talk about. And the thing that we're alluding to is the new Sephora Witch Kit. Now, it's by Pinrose. Um, I personally don't follow makeup that much, and so I've never heard of that company. But uh, people that do have told me that they've never done anything like this before, so it really is kind of so like seemingly out of the blue. I'm sur- sure uh, marketing-wise it's not, but um, you know, compared to the previous products they've put out, this is uh, something that's different for them and unusual. Um, and I think we should talk about it because, well, our podcast is about bridging the gap between the mundane and the cult. We're all about, you know, um, education, bringing people together. And there's some great sides to this, um, you know, having some witchy things being in mainstream uh, society. There's also some negatives to it. So I think it's really interesting to go over. And it'll kind of be like a little bit of a four-way um, panel discussion here. So all four of us um, are going to respond to the uh, opinions that I will read from some of my Instagram followers. Um, some of them will remain anonymous only because I didn't get explicit permission from them, although they did comment on a post that I said I would use for Spellcast. But anyone that's listening, if I read your um, comment and you would like to be named, you just let me know. DM me and I'll just give you a shout out in the next one. I just want to err on the side of caution. Disclaimer, um, mm. um, we are not in any way promoting nor putting down uh, any any business, anything that Sephora is doing. We are merely uh, reciting opinions and uh, stating philosophy and stating how we feel and really the truth and how it is that we see it. But again, you want something, you want something, go out and get it yeah. and let us stop you. But always be aware that there are other options out there as well. Mm-hmm. Um you know, all sorts of things to consider. Yeah. Not to say that Sephora doesn't have a lot of other cool things. Sephora. So, Sephora. Sephora. What am I saying? Sephora. Sephora. Yeah, I don't It sounds cooler, but I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> um, I mean, who knows? That could be the right way to say it, and we're just not saying it right. Tomato, um, tomato. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So, I think it's really cool to go over um, just in the fact that we're going to be just stating everyone's opinions. Um, and it's an interesting topic. So, if you want to weigh in on it afterwards feel free. We can make a quick little thing about it in the next episode as well. If anyone wants to add something. Um, but the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to read a little article from fastcompany.com. Now I'm going to be completely honest with you. And this is one of the first websites that pops up when you Google Sephora witch kit. I just wanted to get a, a general mainstream article. And so having something that pops up in the beginning of Google, this is what most people are going to click on and probably read. So while it might not be the best news source ever, this is definitely something that people are probably looking at. And the way that it's written, um, I thought it would be something good to pull up because I think maybe this is what a lot of people that aren't familiar with the witchy community might think or how they might speak about it. Um, So this is going to be the first thing I'm going to bring to all of you guys. Uh, I read it a little bit, so I will weigh in, but any three of you please feel free to start the discussion after i read it and i've managed to keep the price of this witch kit a secret up until now so we will have honest reactions from the three guys here so uh the article is sephora is selling starter witch kits now the article says sephora is cashing in on the burgeoning witch economy glossy reports that the perfume company Pinrose will sell a starter witch kit for the little wannabe Wiccan in your life. 
The nine-piece set, which will retail for $42, includes fragrances as well as various paraphernalia like tarot cards, bad vibe clearing sage, and a rose quartz crystal. Basically everything necessary for the ultimate slumber party introduction to the wonderful world of witchcraft as practiced by the modern goth reader. I don't know what a goth reader is, just an aside, but maybe people know what that is. So the article continues. Truly the only thing to add to the mix is a picture of patron saint Willow from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, a bespoke Ouija board made from sustainable wood and a coven of like-minded girls eager to try out the latest witchcraft, then they cross it out. Wellness trend. Sephora declined to comment, but confirmed it will sell the kit. The starter kit will be available both in Sephora stores and online starting October 5th. Not only is that in plenty of time to get every little girl hexing by Halloween, but it's more than enough warning for the Christian right to launch their inevitable boycott campaign. It's also plenty of time for real Wiccans to bemoan the mainstreaming of witchcraft. And the end. If you can't wait that long to join Lana Del Rey in one of the many Facebook groups trying to hex President Donald Trump, head over to Amazon for even more complex, a more complete witch starter kit. I'll bet one without the pretty packaging and on-trend wellness vibes. I mean, to be fair, Lana Del Rey is quite attractive. And probably cool. I don't really know her that well, but I'm going to say she's awesome. Uh, and also, it's just funny that people are hexing our president. So everyone can get behind that one, I think. Uh, it's it's uh, it's a damn shame one way or the other that it has to be that way. Yeah. So, what do you think about the price? I guess. Uh, I think it kind of defeats the whole. Um, well, with that kind of price, like, I feel like that being the starting price as a starter kit. First a, of all, a starter kit. I don't know. Starter kits being that expensive, it it kind of it seems more like a deterrent. So from a business model, mm. I, I think that's hurting them more than helping them. And also someone that knows makeup, a lot of their stuff can be a little pricey, but for the most part, they do sell decent brands that are usually worth it. If you're going to at least be okay with spending money on makeup, but this includes nine little sample perfumes, the tarot book, like it said, the stage and the quartz crystals. So to break that down, I don't think that really adds up to $42, though I'm not going to say I know the price of the perfume they're selling. I also have to say myself that um, even though that you are quote unquote getting so many different kinds of things, I personally think that it's a little too, I want to say overbearing, uh, just cumbersome. No, not that that's not the word. Um, intimidating. There it is mm. to the starter doing things such as this. And it just, it doesn't seem all that right to... First off, uh, price it at such a steep, quote-unquote, starter kit. Mm. And then on top of that, to um, provide little direction as to what to do. So I, I think that's a very uh, intimidating aspect that they added into it. Did you just say it um, contains a tarot deck? It does, uh, yeah, Talk yeah. about intimidating. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and how much did you say it was again? $42. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine that selling that well for that price. I don't know. No, and for your Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy fans, that's the answer to life, everything in the universe, but I'm going to go with not a good price. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, uh, and see, my problem, my main problem is, is that, and, and this is not, if there are like actual witches that are behind this at work at Sephora, Sephora, with tomatoes, tomato, Sephora. We're, calling, we're calling this tonight. 
um, you know, if they're actually the ones behind making this, then, then, hey, more power to you. You know, you finally found an outlet for that sort of success. But I don't know, something inside me senses that, well, I, that something is maybe being exploited and, mm. and flat out appropriated um, for the sake of capitalistic big business. And that's not to say that, you know, people can't grow. I mean, there are, but I, I'd also say, you know, if you're looking for like a starter kit or things that, uh, you know, are, you know, and this is not just promoting ourselves to promote a bunch of things tonight, you know, the craft crossroads like offers things like that, but outside of us, there's 13 moons. There's, um, there's a, what give us some of our friends names and make some stuff. There's Astoria Culta. Yeah. Astoria Culta shop. She has jewelry and everything. Um, and it's all, occult related but she gives you the explanation as to what she's using and what the symbols mean there's envision crystal there's yes. um uh of all plethora hell we can mm-hmm. put those in the show notes truth yeah, told. And this is not just again not to steal business but simply to be like okay well if you have the opportunity to support someone who's uh making these things with their bare hands not mm-hmm. mass producing something i mean things that are you know uh, mass produced tend to be stripped of their earthiness and things that are created with care um, by a by a well uh, a well practiced uh, witch, uh, often might be a better place to go. Plus, I mean, supporting local business, we we have to support local business unless uh, we are to be taken over by big box stores. Honestly, yeah, honestly, and that and that will yeah. that will strip certain things out of it. And truth be told, I mean, starter, I would I would literally keep it. What a starter kid would be like, okay, what are you trying to accomplish? Perhaps a yes. simple spell and. What do like? What do the cards have to do with anything? I, I feel as though we're they're just we're, mishmashing all of like occulty stuff together that they like feel is spooky, and they're like, "This is what people want." Yeah, <laughs> it, it seems a little. It, it seems. Yeah, it seems like we're putting, like we're putting we're putting seasoning for chicken in with fish. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> Although, let's throw this on its head a little bit. Even though that it is a little bit random as a. Uh, with what they're trying to promote Mm -hmm. and not really fully understanding as where, why, what is being put into this. (laughs) But at least we can say on a positive note that they are using a name to put out there saying that this is still acceptable kind of things. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of people's argument is now instead of having to worry about being burned at the stake, a lot of witches are happy that something's mainstream because people are just going to start accepting it. I mean... And whether that means people embrace you with open arms or they just kind of tolerate you and coexist now and don't attack you either way. I mean, that's Or they good could stuff. just be reacting like, you know, how Christians do with those $8 Ouija boards that used to be sold at Toys R Us. <laughs> oh, my God. And I'm going to say this, like I always say this, and a paranormal chicks, um, Donna and Carrie are going to love me because it's like a thing now in their Facebook group. But if you have a Ouija board, just draw a circle. Like, just, I don't, whether it's a toy or not, just draw the circle. Be safe. Don't go fooling around with things you don't understand. Um, yeah, I mean, that's something, too, I noticed in the article. It said that, you know, for, like, basically wannabe Wiccans or people that are starting out. And what they said just really reminded me of when I was in high school. And I started looking into witchcraft. And I was so nervous that I was going to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing or get myself, like, cursed or, you know, get possessed by something i mean you know granted i'm a little bit of an over worrier but it also made me very cautious as to what i was doing and being aware like you don't want people i feel like to get into witchcraft with the wrong intentions 
it's great to bring anyone and everyone into, you know, uh, any spiritual path, but to do it like with the right intention. I feel like if it's in the same section as the perfume that they're selling, I, I feel like that's a little, that's a little off-putting. Well, honestly, Ouija boards, though, are in the toy section, and that's as mainstream as, like, a culty as you're going to get. So, I, who knows? This might go the way of that, and people don't really seem to be bothered by that. Oh, yeah, it'll just become this new thing in mainstream society, and people will find a way to pervert it all over again. Mm, it happens a lot. Yeah, we will always find a way to pervert even the most uh, beautiful of creations. That's what I'm mm-hmm. saying, like, with the starter kit. Like, my problem with it, um, you were saying that it's good that uh, you made a good point that it's making it, like, you know, acceptable to, you know, say you're a witch and stuff like that. But it's totally mm-hmm. um, doing without the uh, teaching that should be accompanied to the practice of witchcraft is that everything comes from within and you know energies and things like that it's just like here's a rose quartz here's a tarot deck and here's sage that like you know it's just it's kind of just belittling the whole practice yeah i yeah simplifying it too much agree it's 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 trivializing it's patronizing and the, Mm -hmm. the list of words go on yeah so how about let's piggyback off that idea a little bit how about we just tell them to uh at a resource list as to say enough of someone maybe who's in within the company who knows that kind of stuff to say, Hey, here's a list of references in which to look up. So you're not completely going in blind. Yeah. Maybe in a perfect world, but I, I don't think it really works that well. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like, yeah. you know, people who are into witchcraft are just like drawn to it and will find a way to find their quote unquote starter kit. You don't need to go to Sephora for it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I hear that in your voice behind that. Um, yeah, I mean, and the thing is, too, find, like, your local shops, um, local people that are uh, on the same spiritual path or spiritual path you're interested in. Um, now, when we have, like, our Lazy Witch spell kits, uh, we include instructions to go with it. They're all specifically labeled for certain themes, We're not giving out anything that's complicated. We're totally here for advice. We'll answer any and all questions along with the instruction list. And I mean, I don't take these things lightly. Like I said, that's how I was since the beginning of my journey into the cult. I always triple check and think things over a million times to make sure my intentions are good. They're pure. They're for the good of everything and harm to none. And I'm not going to promote something that I feel like will just cause harm to people or they'll accidentally hurt themselves or other people. And, you know, our, our kind of lazy witch spell kits are for people that are very interested in it, maybe know a little bit about it, want to talk to us about it. And it's a way to start it off where you don't have to go shopping around at different stores, or maybe you're a little shy about walking into an occult store or asking someone for these things. Or maybe and you're just lazy as hell and you were just like somebody else. Yeah. Prepare something for you. Either way, that's... that's uh, you know. Honestly, I made them because I would want something like this. I would love to just have these little organized, cute little kits where every time I want to do something, I just know what I'm pulling out and I don't have to worry about, oh, did I lose this? Can I find this? Do I have to go buy this at the last minute? Um, so, you know, that's, I feel like a positive version of that. And anyone that in a shop that wants to help people find their way is wonderful. And as long as they're just educating people and, you know, they have the, they have good intentions about it. I think that that's good. Yeah. And it's, you know, for lack of a better word through underground means like that, or I guess for like supporting small businesses, you start to 
learn to listen to your intuition and your inner voice, which is, again, like part of the core of witchcraft and spell work in general. Uh, like I said, you know, it's just mm-hmm. instead of just like presenting a box of stuff, it's like you, you just it, it's all about the path, you know, you carve your own path and see what works for you, see what doesn't and learn to listen to your inner voice. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, I suppose you can, you can compare it. I mean, this is a different level and obviously a different time, but I suppose you can compare it to uh, making the Bible uh, translated and easily accessible to people. Mm. It gave people a lot more access to uh, a lot more of an easier access to uh, uh, that literature and the history behind that spirituality, but it arguably diluted it. The translations, uh, uh, made a little bit base uh, what was actually being said and what was actually being conveyed. And then there were too many uh, cooks in the kitchen, too many people thinking that they know what it is they're doing and thus perverting things even more than they should have been in the first yeah, place. Yeah, exactly. That's a great, great way of putting it. Yeah. I suppose um, buyer beware. And that goes with <laughs> any of us, friends. Buyer of beware. course. <laughs> Again, like Missy Gatch, you just said, use your intuition. That's basically, you know, step one in any of any spiritual path that you want to follow um, is getting in tune with yourself and your intuition. Um, And I have a lot of people were really cool about commenting. And I think that everyone had great responses. So that's why I want to read them um, on this podcast. And then that was my whole inspiration for it. So thank you everyone for commenting on my post. Um, We're going to start off with one of the uh, anchor supporters, actually, um, R3GD3Z, which I love his name because it's just awesome. <laughs> it's fun to read. Uh, so Ernest, yeah. He uh, said in his comment, I read a few articles on this and I have an array of opinions. First and foremost, it shows that witchcraft, the occult, and paganism are entering a point where they are becoming less of a niche market. They are more easily accepted by the mainstream. This means that the community is growing and will continue growing. Growth isn't necessarily bad, but it does present many issues. Initially, this means there's a greater demand for witchy items and information. I personally don't think large corporate retailers will meet the demand, especially in more rural areas. That being said, I think local shops and internet retailers will benefit immensely as they will have more variety in terms of both information and inventory. So, I mean, I think that's a good point and uh, said really well. I think from a consumer standpoint, yeah. I think that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, too, is, I mean, there's a very fine line with this. You're going to have to go between a business mind and then the more just intuitive mind. So it's not saying, you know, I mean, you always have to balance things. And that's that's hard is finding the balance here. Yeah, that is the, the great challenge in life, for sure. <laughs> with anything and everything. Yeah. Uh, I suppose there's, there's probably uh, there's probably a bunch of uh, a bunch of people that have been trying to to get into cra- into the craft for a while that have been praying to the deities. Oh, make it more accessible, make it more mainstream. Oh, okay, well, be careful what you wish for. Literally, literally uh, witchcraft 101. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the next one we have is uh, by Kali Witch. I hope I said that right. Um, she says, I don't know. I don't like how people are acting like witchcraft is some exclusive club. A lot of people start out as the teenagers they're mocking who are interested in the occult and something this accessible could be great for them. 
With so many people having major problems with their family and losing their support because of their practice, I can only view its mainstream growth as positive. I only hope they have one, accurate info, and two, ethically sourced produce. So that's a big thing I know that um, came up in discussion is the white sage and the courts itself. Um, Now, I think that's important in any local shop or anyone uh, that buys or sells those items because we do have to be conscious of where they come from, just like anything that we consume. And it's I also think that there's a little bit of forgiveness room because sometimes you just don't have access to knowing where things come from and you do try your best. So don't beat yourself up if, you know, you're trying really hard and you accidentally buy something that's maybe not ethically sourced or, you know, again, you just kind of have to do your best. But it is good that the mainstream thing is maybe now people won't get made fun of as much. Maybe people aren't going to kind of make fun of people outright. Um, Granted, you know, I mean, there's always that catch 22 of uh, I noticed as well things that were uncool when you were in high school or whatever are like suddenly cool. And like, it's weird when you've always believed it and you weren't doing it to be trendy, but now it's trendy. So there's always that little bit of, you know. Well, so here's my issue is that from a, from a cultural <laughs> standpoint and from a, you know, people being, uh, you know, persecuted, like imagine, okay, so we're talking, I, I suppose, witchcraft. And when people think like neo-pagan witchcraft, the first thing they think of is Wicca. And when they're thinking of Wicca, you know, Wicca combines... Uh, the Norse, it combines the Celtic and combines tail ends of uh, Sanskrit and you know, little things you know, that uh, were only made available to us because of uh, um, the mainstream publishings from the Hermetic Orders of the Golden Dawn from people like Aleister Crawley, Arthur Edward Wade, you know, the, the great pioneers before us. Um, but, you know, imagine if, if you, you know, you put this out, you know, you put out each individual pantheon, people who have who have had this in their family for long periods of time, or people who have gone through a great struggle by adopting themselves in, uh, you're trivializing and patronizing all of the torment they went through. Be like, oh yeah, here it's cool now. You just get to decide that it's cool now. And what if we were doing uh, doing diasporas that were a bit more marginalized, a bit more misunderstood, um, such as Haitian voodoo or Santeria, or um, even oh, man, even certain sects of uh, native shamanism. Um, uh, whose deities uh, tend to come off uh, a bit more earthy, a different type of primal, uh, a bit more misunderstood. Um, you know, I, I'm certain that the you know, and and to a point, society always has done this. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's it, it's a, it's the, a double-edged sword of getting it out. On one hand, you're getting this information out to people, and that's better than letting it die altogether. But at the same time, you are perverting it, vilifying it, and causing it much more trouble. So I think we have to be very delicate about how we approach these things. I believe that personally, my look on it is that the world is getting more and more dull and just kind of black and white and squarish that naturally, like every year, there's more and more people who want to like bridge out and try different things and, um, you know, uh, gravitate towards these fields of, uh, you know, study or practice or whatever and the thing is like mm-hmm. just in black and white terms a corporation that seems to be capitalizing on that is like it's just i don't know it's kind of just ruining the the spiritualism of it true yeah and i mean also 
you never know. It could give somebody a bad taste in their mouth that wants to start this because they're going to say, oh, these people are shallow or this and that. And stereotypes can be created about how this is just like a fun kind of like parlor game. And at the same time, it's also kind of like inevitable, you know, as much as I don't Mm -hmm. really like how this is happening, but it's inevitable because, like I said, the world is just Kardashians and everyone arguing about Donald Trump and everything and obviously this kind of thing is going to happen yeah and that's also fascinating because for how long of human history have witches been marginalized and there's witch hunts and they're burned at the stake and all these horrible things and then with all this technology things are just moving so rapidly that you're almost moving through hundreds of years within like 10 yeah it definitely seems that way yeah it's crazy to me it's the same thing that again can be applied to, to, to anything and not for nothing I'll always I will always quote this one particular phrase from one of my uh, one of my favorite authors on the topic of Haitian voodoo uh, Kanaz Philen um, love him uh, the one thing that he said you know you can study any culture and invite it into your life any entities from any that uh, that have stemmed from any culture you can invite them in you can practice but Unless you are truly studying the history and the uh, what all the people have went through and the you know the origins of the culture and really studying it and respecting it and doing what you can to preserve it as a, a practitioner in the present, moving to the future, um, you know, don't be as he quotes a culture vulture. Hmm. Don't do that. Yeah, that's what this author of this book I'm currently reading called Old Steyer old style conjure says is you have to understand the origins of hoodoo practice and what the uh, ancestors brought down from tradition and everything. Yeah. And I think that's also the thing with uh, appropriation. Sometimes people get a little ahead of themselves and they think everything is appropriation if you're not part of that culture. Um, but I think it's wonderful when people do embrace other cultures for the fact that they're fascinated by them, that they do justice to them, that they appreciate and they respect them. And they do educate people about the wonders of different cultures and ways of thinking. And appropriation comes from the fact when you're being disrespectful. I think that it's okay if your little girl wants to have a Japanese tea party and dress in kimonos and talk to her friends about the history of tea parties. Great. That's wonderful. If she knows that much about you know, Japanese tea party, she knows more than I do because they're really complicated and a lot goes into those. But if you're like walking around and disrespecting cultural, um, you know, ways of being, if you're disrespecting a culture by the way they dress or what they eat or how they speak, then that's not fair. You know, it's good to embrace culture in a positive way, but I think appropriation um, is when you're just being really rude about it and kind of displaying them in a stereotypical way for the sake of making fun of them where they're laughing at them not with them yeah it's also like if you're just wearing an an identity for the sake of wearing an identity and you don't know anything about it you need to like fulfill your ego needs and that you know that's not cool right yeah do your research and i mean I don't think anyone should be dissuaded from learning about different cultures and the wanting to embrace them. That's wonderful. So um, that's my little thing because I see some people do get really um, up in arms about appropriation when sometimes they're not listening to the people and those people really just interested in a different culture. And that's fine.
Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Mm. Um, cultural diffusion and appropriation go hand in hand. Mm. I'm going to tell you something about cultural diffusion. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, it all started in high school. Um, so I had these teachers, history teachers, in ninth and 10th grade. Uh, I think it started in ninth, though, because it was global history and you learned about cultural diffusion. I will tell you, I will never, ever forget that phrase and what it means because both of my teachers every day for the whole school year was cultural diffusion. They brought up cultural diffusion. They asked you what it was. Basically, like the start of any class was like cultural diffusion. It would come up all the time. So it just became like a funny little joke for everyone. But I mean, we learned it. We literally knew what it was. We know it inside and out. And I think that was a great way for our history teachers to communicate that to us. And it's a very important part, an integral part of learning about history. Yeah, that's definitely something that we should be uh, being taught in uh, schools. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure my teachers are still doing it. So yay, shout out to them. <laughs> Honestly, an easy way to do it is just like, okay, you, you, you like you like Native American culture, you know, maybe don't put on a headdress of feathers and, you know, do the gesture with the mouth and, uh, you know, then laugh about it and be silly and then not actually study anything about this culture that is um, becoming increasingly scarce. In, in, instead, if you wish to pursue uh, styles of clothing that are in that vicinity, you know, perhaps, you know, humble yourself to actually go and ask people who it has been part of their bloodline since as long as they can trace back, maybe learn from them directly, do what you can and, and be patient. Yeah. You know, that's really all it is. You got, there, there is a, there is a good and bad way to do something that essentially, if you break it down to the bare minimum is the same thing. Yeah. yeah. I always gotten great responses from people. Sorry. What I was you just going to say, you don't want the ancestors of those cultures uh, rolling over in their graves. <laughs> Yeah, we're delivering a plague upon you or something. I mean, I think that's just why Long Island is loaded with ticks. Like, honestly, truth be told, I, I think they're definitely, somebody definitely, like, pissed off, like, a native shaman, and he just, like, brought a plague of, like, vermin and Lyme disease to these, mm. to these crazy white people. But, <laughs> but I mean, that's just, uh, I, I, I suppose that, uh, at the very least, can just be a joke in my friend group. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, when I've ever approached people about wanting to, know more about their culture or appreciating the way that they dress uh, or the way that they do anything really. I mean, I've always been met with wonderful responses. Um, I am friends um, with two Chinese women. I used to work with them in a tea store and I wore, um, it was like a semi-traditional Chinese dress. Um, it was a little modernized, but uh, you know, still something that resembled traditional Chinese wardrobe. And I wore it to work one day and I was a little afraid because I was like, well, I mean, I really love this. And like, I'm very interested in where it comes from, but you know, I don't, don't want to make anybody upset. And I walked into work and they were like, oh my God, you're so beautiful. This looks so good on you. And like, they talked to me all about it with me and they were more than kind to answer any questions I had about the wardrobe. I mean, they were just so happy that I wore it and that I was interested and that I was interested in their culture. And so I've always gotten positive responses. People also, uh, if, you know, I've, my friends wear saris and things like that. And all Indian women are absolutely thrilled. Anyone I've run into is thrilled that you would even want to wear a sari, that you were interested in it, that you thought it was beautiful. They're so happy 
that you're embracing their culture and you think something that they do traditionally is beautiful and wonderful. Yeah, it's interesting how, in my personal experience, that, like, (laughs) anybody outside of the metropolitan area is, like, so incredibly nice. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's, like, so hard to get used to. (laughs) Says someone from the tri-state area. We all know. (laughs) And, yeah, I mean, it's funny because... When I look online, honestly, it's a lot of people that aren't part of these cultures that are accusing people of appropriation. When, like I said, most people that are actually from the culture, when they know you're being respectful and genuinely love something about their culture, they're more than happy to talk to you about it. Yeah, it's got to be a great delight to see that somebody genuinely interested in it. Yeah, because I'm sure people get, I mean, so much like crap for it and stereotype. I mean, if you're actually excited about something, they're more than happy to embrace that. And that's the only way um, culture truly stays alive and it, mm-hmm. and it travels. How, uh, you know, how can, you know, if, if you say, if, plus, honestly, it's basic human psychology. Honestly, if you say you can't do that, people are going to do it. And they're going to do it in the <laughs> most spiteful way possible. There yeah. is no limit to how jealous and petty humans can be. Uh, it's just, it's, it's so textbook. Like, this is just psychology 101. This isn't even like psychology, like high level. This is. It's so easy to put together. And, you know, people want their culture to survive. They want their culture to be respected. But there's something there's something to be said about, oh, you can't do this. You're this type of person. That is going to piss people of any background off. It just it makes you feel as though you're not good enough or it makes you feel that you can't connect to these things. But the human condition is 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 universal. It also puts like a bad taste in someone's mouth, like who's trying to get into a culture or there's sort of customs when someone's saying like oh you can't do this you're not part it's like then you just kind of realize that these people are coming from a place of ego and not um like spiritualism that you maybe would have thought was part of it mm-hmm. yeah exactly I completely agree with you uh cool yeah no, i mean that's sorry excuse me great stuff to bring up um so another uh anonymous person also said uh, while I understand a company realizing the selling points of cashing in on the hashtag pagan trend that is currently happening and the fact that this may allow some Sephora shoppers to begin their path into something they were afraid of admitting until that point, I also know that intention is everything in the craft. Mass-produced tools are soulless and lack magic, which any discerning practitioner will come to realize with time. I hope this will be a positive situation and small businesses will benefit benefit the most in the long run from this product release at Sephora. Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like a double-edged sword, really. I mean... Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of people are, um, I mean, mentioning that. And this one, too, um, the next one says, in my opinion, it just looks like Sephora has crunched the numbers and has seen that a certain age group are interested in this sort of stuff and are hoping to draw in more customers. I don't believe the company has any interest in the deeper meaning of tarot or sage for crystals, and it's just in their hopes that big YouTubers will buy it and promote it. I may be wrong, but that's what it seems like. It seems to look like to me. Also, furthermore, I was under the impression Sephora sold makeup and perfumes only, so it's really strange that they've included tarot and stuff to make it true to the name. I have added various sample size bits of perfume. I don't know. It's just weird to me. <laughs> well, I mean... It seems to me that the new age community and just people interested in in magic and the occult in general is 
more so feminine than masculine at this point in time. So to me, it would make sense to market it in a, you know, makeup corporation. Yeah, I mean, I think whoever um, decided to come out with this from a marketing standpoint is a genius. They <laughs> definitely know what they're doing. Um, it's just hard because, you know, with business, sometimes it doesn't always have a soul. What about taking a spin on this way? Because I just, I, I was thinking, mulling this over for the past hour. I know I've been very quiet, but <laughs> this is when I get my real deep thoughts and, and I start to interject. But what if the fact that someone... Uh, within the beauty industry was not really trying to appropriate as we were talking about before about this kind of culture but more so trying to uh, promote that this kind of uh, living uh, the pagan world the Wiccan world the uh, people who practice this kind of stuff are truly beautiful because this is through a beauty company is it not? Well that's a nice thought (laughs) one could hope and one could pray yeah Yeah. on the positive end that's great though to bring in is i mean hopefully right you i would i would like that to be true let's just put it that way but now we're on the commentary of rhetoric and as the great great greek philosopher said rhetoric is the art of controlling the minds of man okay Mm -hmm. let me just completely negate of what i said and on the other hand who is going to be able to curse anyone with a tarot deck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I suppose theoretically you could probably, you could probably take like the devil in the tower and like uh, use the iconography to induce a curse in a, like a binding poppet sort of spell. But in its raw form, no. And well, they they're ju- never, nobody's going to put that together. <laughs> and they just have sage and rose quartz. It's not like they're going to be able to do anything with that. Um, cool. So another one says, uh, anonymously in my opinion i really like the idea except for how expensive it is but the fact that witchcraft used to be banned and feared and uh is now in more places and is starting to help people get started in it to me that's a huge step and i love it uh and someone else also said i'm not really sure how i feel about this because on one hand it's nice people might start being more open to our way of life but it is also not really a game It won't be taken as seriously, and I know people want to do their research about witchcraft. Um, I don't know. I mostly feel negative about it. So I think that kind of goes back to also the thing about, like, Ouija boards being mainstream. Um, Let me see. I know Zach Baggins from Ghost Adventures or something. He's a little little ridiculous. Uh, not, Not to be mean to him. I'm just saying he's a little funny in the way that he does things and his bedazzled jeans. So I feel like sometimes just the way you do things makes them seem a little silly. So I can understand that point of view. Um, and Jamey Bart, he let me, uh, you know, they let me say their name out loud, which is cool. Uh, so while I pre- they say, while I appreciate the general idea that witchcraft is becoming more accessible and acceptable to the mainstream society, I cannot help but feel it to be a fad. So, you know, short, sweet, to the point, what they thought. Um And another anonymous person said, I'm mixed. I'm all for the mainstream getting a better understanding of witchcraft and maybe learn a little bit. But I feel like by doing this, people aren't exactly realizing what they're getting into or doing. Of course, if you're already familiar with witchcraft, it's fine. I just hope people won't make a mockery of it, which is a fair point. Yeah, I definitely definitely agree with that. That's a good uh, comment. Yeah, 
yeah I and that's it's good to see I feel like everyone here um is kind of torn you know it seems that people I mean some people are more one way or the other but they're definitely acknowledging the fact that they have mixed feelings and that there's a you know it's, it's a little bit of a gray area here which is kind of what we live in so on a side note I'd just like to say how disturbing it is that there's Ouija boards and toy sections of stores. <laughs> oh yeah, that's I like, totally agree. Horrifying. I see that all the time. I'm like, why are we giving these to children? Hasbro just like secretly just wants to screw with a bunch of adults. <laughs> like they just they, they want playtime all the time. <laughs> yeah. The most underrated evil geniuses. I can't help but think of a five year old who got their hands on a Ouija board and just like opened the gates of hell. And then all of a sudden, their whole house becomes like this whole freaking portal to the underworld. You know, it's like the Amityville <laughs> horror. Yeah. Right? Exactly. This is why you draw a circle, people. Do whatever you want, just in a circle. <laughs> um, and Michelle DeGram, uh, the wonderful woman that we had on our podcast last time, shout out to her. Uh, she also commented and said that I could share it. So thanks, girl. Um, she says, Honestly, pre-made kits can be great. You can try different products and see what works for you. I've used pre-made kits before, and I never had a problem. I think of them as travel-sized witchery. What I don't get is why Pinrose, who has never done a kit like this before, is doing one now. And for a company like Sephora to carry it again makes no sense. If capitalizing on witchcraft and new age items is what they want to do, then they obviously don't get the point of the craft and how misuse goes. I'm not saying that selling products or services is bad, but when companies who have never worked with individuals who are in that community, it damages consumer products within the community. Yeah, right right on point there. Right? Very well said. Well said, Michelle. And I do <laughs> have to say that, uh, you know, it's really not the spell kit that is the problem. It's more so of where and how it's being broadcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And again, like back to everything that we've kind of talked about in previous episodes is it's all about intention, right? Manure goes really good in your garden, not so much on your dinner plate. <laughs> <laughs> I do not like that symbol. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a crap what you like. Honey, so punny. <laughs> Oh my god. Um, Yeah, I mean, like I said, everyone has like super awesome points with this. And I'm really glad that uh, we went over it because it's gone really well, I think. Yeah, I think we pretty much covered everything with it. Yeah, and I'm really happy to announce that while I'm recording this on the Anchor app, it it seems that it lets me go over an hour without any problem. Woo! Woo! That's dangerous, though. <laughs> now we're never going to shut the hell up. <laughs> that means bad news I know, before you. we were trying to be, like, contained, and now it's just free-for-all. Um, so, yeah, and actually they let you do, like, um, editing within their software, too. So I'm going to do that on the computer, hopefully. And not to, like, you know, try to put us over or anything. But uh, we've been doing these podcasts straight with no editing just gonna put that out there (laughs) everyone can catch these hands so it's been so stressful sometimes because you don't want to mess it up so it's nice that uh i now i mean there's other things uh other ways to edit and other platforms to use 
Um, but until we do start getting a little bit more support in and we can afford a little more things, I like Anchor because it's free and I can do it on the phone. I can do it on the computer. Um, and now they have an editing software that's free. And while I'm not going to say I can probably figure it out right away, mm. <laughs> I'm definitely going to try to use it. Um, and it'll be cool because maybe with like Patreon and Anchor supporters, we can then do like, um, what is it called? Why am I blanking? Bloopers. There we go. We can do blooper reels. Um, and that's actually honestly what I really look forward to with editing <laughs> is there's going to be blooper reels. That's all I care. <laughs> and in the uh, name of or the uh, the words of Dr. Cox from Scrubs, help me to help you. Help me to help you. <laughs> <laughs> that should be um, our motto for like anchor support and Patreon. <laughs> help me help you. It's just like a meme. Um, yeah. So thanks. Uh Mr. Gancha for joining us and Ignatius and of course my awesome co-host Andriel. I love having us all together. I like the panel thing. We're all friends and we all, you know, talk really well and I feel like hopefully people will feel like they're next to a campfire just talking with us. If there are any other uh, topics, uh, uh, fans, if there are any other topics that you wish for us to cover, if you wish for us to uh, debate on or if you want anything in, uh, in your frame of mind uh, being featured uh, on the show, please uh, leave comments wherever you can leave comments. I don't know where you can. Can you do that on Anchor? Oh know. my god! Okay, so clearly I'm the one that's the technologically advanced one. Um. Uh, I'll stir my cauldron. You stir social media. Yeah. So um, you can find us on Instagram at Witchy Page. I don't have a separate one for Spellcast, but um, all of our followers were just okay with that, so we're sticking with it. Uh, works. And you can also find us on anchor.fm or the Anchor app. And you can um, leave us messages. I've never gotten messages before, but I feel like I'd love to open the app and have a cute little message. I'll totally play it in the episode if you do it. Um, I also sort of figured out this cool editing thing that I can put portions of our podcast up on Instagram. Uh, I haven't practiced it in a while, so I may have to relearn it. But uh, I want to do that. And also... For our anchor supporters and future Patreon people, if we do have another um, kind of like panel discussion like this, I want to be able to include your messages in the podcast. So if you want to record them ahead of time, I can splice them into the podcast so you can uh, say it live. And if you want to even maybe do an introduction or something. So that's a really cool thing about being a supporter is you could possibly do an introduction or an outro or something for us. Um, and also... Uh, you know, with the higher tier things, we might even offer being a guest on the show kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, and also on Facebook, uh, Witchy Page, um, you can follow us. But I also have Spellcast Podcast, the Facebook page, which I absolutely promise I keep saying this. I will keep up to date on show notes at some point. Uh, and then we have the Spellcast Podcast. Um, don't shake your head at me. No, Spellcast. Not <laughs> I'll tell you later. Okay. <laughs> Spellcast podcast uh private facebook group so just ask to join i'm totally gonna accept you and uh we also have spellcast coven which is for our anchor supporters and um future patreon people as well and uh we're on youtube uh the craft crossroads is our shop so we have the craft cross craft crossroads we have witchy page um and i do igtv on witchy page i don't know that's all the stuff i can think about wonderful I yeah think, uh, we've We've covered it all. And you can leave us messages. Basically, this was the point. Uh, you can leave us messages on any of, of those platforms. Oh, and you can email us, wishypage at gmail.com, if you like. If you want to talk about anything, 
Uh, if you want to just say hi or whatever, we're cool with that too. And if you want to like, uh, rate, review us on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify that we're now on. I don't know how that works with our rating on Spotify, but if you listen on Spotify and you know it'll help us um, to like or however they do it there, rate and review us there. The magic algorithm by <laughs> the computer gods that just decide if you get to be mainstream popular or not. I don't know. Yeah. It's so kind of we... like in Smash Brothers when they just drop like all the good items in the best player's hand for some reason, just to murder everybody else. <laughs> and so, uh, I know there are some gaming witches out there that uh, definitely know exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. Yeah. And we'd really appreciate it if you did make us player one in that uh, regard and uh, really help us out. And we, I mean, we also understand too with finances and stuff, if you're not able to become a financial supporter of the show, simply sharing things, rating and reviewing, even just saying hi and that you love us. Super appreciated, and uh, we we're we're all around just appreciative and loving and accepting of everything. So thank you guys so so much for listening. Um, we're over a thousand downloads, which is absolute insanity to me. Um, and we're only at episode thirteen, which is crazy and awesome. And uh, next week we'll probably be doing a part two of the tarot and divination. I know Michelle the Graham would love to join us again. So we're planning to do that next week. So stay tuned for that. And thank you guys so much. Um, just remember, there's a little witch in all of us. And always remember, friends, the spirits live in the mirror. <laughs> thank you, guys. We'll see you soon. Bye. And welcome to Spellcast episode 14. I'm your host, Courtney, and this is my co-host, Andrea. Greetings, friends. It's great to be back once again here at Tarot Part 2. Yes, so we did mention that we wanted to do that, so here it is. We actually managed to get it done relatively quickly. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the last episode. Uh, we did cover Hecti and also the, the, bleh, the Sephora Witch Kit. Uh, which, actually, I've recently come to learn they took off the market because of, I guess, you know, everyone's complaints and how everyone kind of expressed how they felt about it. Sephora and Pinrose decided to take it off the market. So that won't be happening this October. Um, so celebrate or be upset or, I don't know, whatever your opinion was, um, you know, that's kind of what's going on now. Uh, so we could probably talk about that, too. But before we get into that anymore... Uh, I'll introduce the other guests that we have with us today. So Ignatius is back. Good evening, everyone. I hope your inner furnace is burning bright. Nice, because get it? His name has to do with fire. <laughs> and <laughs> you see what he did there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Michelle is here again with us. Hi. How's everyone doing? Good. How are you? Doing well. So good Should to I have you back. Yay. So what do you think I'm about the, uh, the witch kit thing? Uh, yes. Um, I actually just updated an article that, well, it was like a mystical article that I wrote, um, that included y'all's podcast, um, that included, I put a link to the, like a person, like a website that did a cancellation post about it. So. Oh, okay. Awesome. Well, yeah. thanks for including us. No problem. I thought it was a very interesting conversation, so why not include it? With everyone else's opinions about it. 
Oh yeah, no, that's a great idea. Um, you are breaking up just a little bit, so I hope that doesn't continue. But if we have to ask you to repeat anything, sorry in advance. Helps. Uh oh. Yeah, no, you're still kind of breaking up. Hold on. Can you hear us now? Hello? Hello? Yes, I can okay. hear you. There we are. Oh, good. Okay, sorry. That's okay. Sometimes it's our app or however it calls people around. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, sorry. Back to, back to episode 14. Um, yeah, so no, I mean, thanks for including us in that article. I saw a lot of great things and posts about, you know, people expressing their opinions on it. And I think it went really well because people definitely handled it um, in a very, you know, mature way. And I was happy to see that people could discuss it and really just kind of talk to everyone about the pros and cons. So, you know, overall, I think that it was a good thing to happen in the sense that everyone got to talk to each other and, you know, kind of discuss witchcraft in the mainstream like media and in you know uh main culture yeah that's yeah i thought it was very interesting and then like a lot of people brought up like copyright issues and like appropriation like y'all did so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that was definitely something uh to be considered so yeah i'm actually curious to know if they ended up listening to our podcast i know (laughs) oh oh no <laughs> I th- I thought it was funny because I put out that post like two days ago, and then like today they they um ca- did a cancellation on it. I was like, oh, I wonder. <laughs> mm. Did they look? <laughs> they googled. <laughs> they googled it. See, my thing is, is that why why wouldn't they just if they wanted to sell, why not be all inclusive? Why not include starter kits from every religion? <laughs> you know, in, in you know, in Catholicism, you get your standard crucifix, your standard Bible. Some holy I water. suppose if you want to go, like, yeah, some, some holy water. water. <laughs> your standard, you know, I, I guess Jewish kits would be that you know you get your yarmulke, <laughs> you'd get the Torah, you'd get any insert jokes here that anyone wants to make. Yeah. You know, the Muslim starter kit. You know, you get. I, well, I, you know, truth be told, I, I don't uh, know too a, too much about the Muslim uh, starter kit. I don't know if a mat is the correct yeah. term, yeah. but whatever they can mat. Oh yeah, then... for the Mecca, that I do remember yeah. that they set up prayer for the Mecca. And then um, prayer beads and yep. It's the Quran then. The Quran, right? yep. yeah, the Quran. Copy of all the holy books. And those are just those are just Abrahamic religion. Yeah. I mean, I suppose if we went to, you know, a Shinto starter kits, I don't know. We're, we're definitely bordering on the, uh, on the comical side. I think we need to make a podcast about uh, comical things in this subject to avoid, to avoid hate mail. It's so. comical. We're not suggesting or making fun of anyone's religion. Yes. Of course not. We're all inclusive. We like bridging gas. That's what we're about. And it's okay to, you know, Make jokes about things, especially because we can also take jokes, I promise. I'm a universalist, so I try to study absolutely everything and I embody absolutely everything, at least everything that uh, is is worth taking in. Awesome. So uh, what we're going to do now is we'll move on to um, talking more about tarot and divination. Um, it's an awesome episode that we have ahead for you guys. Uh, we're going to be covering our favorite cards. We're going to be going over some intimidating cards that people pull, things that they feel a little bit 
scared or nervous when they get into reading. Um, we'll also talk about tarot and pop culture and perception, uh, how tarot is perceived. And that kind of goes along with the whole witchy kit thing, too, since they did include tarot cards. Um, and then uh, hopefully we can get to ritual uh, use of tarot cards. Um, they all kind of go together. So we might be talking a little bits about all of them uh, at one time. But that's kind of what we want to cover today. Uh, so with favorite cards. Michelle, would you like to start us off and let us know what your favorite tarot card is? Yes, hospitality to our guests. (laughs) Uh, Hmm. I would say... Anything in, like, lower cups is always good to get. Once you get into, like, the higher number cups, it starts getting a little um, kind of depressing, I guess. (laughs) Quite dangerous. Quite dangerous, yes. Too emotional too emotional though i do like the ten of cups because it's like there's the rainbow and like happy people so yeah yeah that's true (laughs) um cool yeah i mean i actually want to um study cups more because i kind of am always drawn to the more like earthy pinnacle thing um so i really want to study the cups and get to know all of the numbers uh in that suit Because it's so interesting that it does have uh, extremes, you know, I mean, the lower numbers uh, with cups are very different and mean very different things than the the upper numbers. So I think it's a cool thing to kind of like study. Yes. Yeah, I know. I love, I, though I lean towards like wands and swords more just because I draw all them a lot. Um, cups are very, just very interesting cards to pull in general, because especially if they like counter act with like, um, or work with, uh, wands or swords or even pentacles. Um, it's very interesting how they line up on like a reading. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and what would your favorite, like, uh, major arcana card? Oh, hmm. I'd say the Empress. Ooh. I had a feeling you yeah. were going to say that. Yeah, the Empress, she's just she's just very grounding. Like, um, as opposed to the high priestess, um, the Empress like gives off this like kind of motherly feel that you want. Mm-hmm. But like also in the car she looks pregnant, so it's I guess that's the motherly feel. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I like that card a lot too. Um in my deck, it's a uh, a yak, which I think is pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty adorable. And she is pregnant. Same kind of thing. Very, like, earthy energy. Um, yeah. So, I like that card a lot, too. It's quite interesting. When you draw the, the Empress, um, you... Uh, when you draw her in combination with certain things, depending on what it is you're asking, especially if you're seeking the future, I always found it interesting that uh, that card is uh, most known for, like you're saying, you know, motherly. So it, it denotes pregnancy, a lot. Mm-hmm. surprise pregnancy, later pregnancy. Um, usually when you draw them in tandem with things like uh, the Ace of Cups or even the Magician or, you know, cer- certain cards and certain combinations yeah, I never thought about that, like, how they, like, how she interacts with different cards. Like, I look at it, like, I look at it, whenever I look at a spread and I see her and I'll be like, all right, who is she next to? What is she corresponding with? So, yeah. But I never think, like, there's certain cards that really try to, like, 
suppress her, like, um, I guess, message or, like, her meaning a lot more. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. That's, that is wonderful. Yes, the Empress, um, the Empress in particular always fascinated me because, you know, her in tandem with her, her opposite card, the Emperor, mm-hmm. you always see the very polar sides of masculine and feminine energy, whereas in the in the uh, the high priestess uh, versus the hierophant, you see the the balanced male with his a male balance with his female energies to be spiritual, and a female balance with her male energies to be spiritual. And also at the same time, you see that connotation between you know the uh, if you compare to many different uh, um, uh, many different uh, pantheons, or or even in Christianity, you might think, oh, okay, the Virgin Mary kind of kind of sits with this one in particular. Oh, uh, the Empress, she could be anywhere from Venus uh, to any other sort of motherly card. The High Priestess, you might think, I don't know. Aphrodite. Uh, uh, you would think Aphrodite uh, in the High Priestess? Yeah, I'd say more Aphrodite for the High Priestess. Really? Sure. See, I don't know. I, I would look at it as, I don't know, I would probably think Hecate or even Celine or maybe one of those, those uh, the darker-sided mm-hmm. goddesses. Well, well maybe. Oh, sorry. Oh, okay. Oh, um, I was just going to say maybe with Aphrodite because she tends to be a little bit more on like that, like darker feminine versus like a Venus. Is that what you're trying to say? Well, more so with when you end up looking at the uh, tarot and the major arcana in a sequential kind of story, the high priestess comes before the empress. So ergo, a younger version Uh, of the empress. So uh someone who is a little more youthful than Venus uh, Aphrodite would take the stage. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I, I can see how how you might you know come to that conclusion. I was thinking along the lines of like the cult of Aphrodite. Ah. So like that that would make sense because her her cult is very, or was very um like not militant, but they were very like strict whenever it came to like the rules of following Aphrodite's um, wishes and like. Most of them were, um, they, like, the Vestal Virgins are um, associated with, Afri- well, Venus, the Roman equivalent, but, um, yeah. Yes. Oh, okay, yeah. Wonderful. All right, so, uh, who would like to go next in stating uh, their favorite tarot card and, and why? Um, I guess I'll go next. Uh, so, in following michelle's uh you know what she was doing i will say one that's from not the major arcana and then my major arcana card that's my favorite um i kind of having a little bit of trouble deciding because they're both very different energies um originally i was going to say the seven of pentacles and looking at my deck it's because um it's an elk and the elk in this sense is in between um juvenile and adult stages so he's kind of in that like waiting phase where he doesn't really know what to do but his job right now is to practice being an adult so when he does become an adult he's ready and he is already fulfilling that role and I feel like I identify with that because I feel like that a lot in my life I feel like I'm in a waiting stage that I'm always kind of in between things that I kind of have to like fake it till I make it kind of thing um so I identify with that one in that way and uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to say. Well, in comparison to uh, 
Um, now, your state your deck one more time oh, for so yeah. the viewers who haven't seen, well, heard the first episode. <laughs> the listeners, I always do that. Um, yeah, so I have the animal totem deck. Um, so my cards are all based on animals. Um, and so it's going to be definitely different than the Rider Wade. And my opinions may be different if I had a Rider Wade deck. And when I have a Rider Wade deck, that, you know, I, I might pick different cards. <laughs> Uh, well, the good thing is, is that that actually does kind of coincide um, with the Seven of Pentacles in the Rider Waite deck. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Rider Waite deck, uh, it is a, a farmer who is admiring his beautifully growing garden. Um, there's a, but there is still a lot of planting and potential um, to happen. He's very content with where he is right now, but there's still a lot more to come. So you know, it makes sense. This card is obviously not the last in the suit. Yes, um, I feel like the author of my deck actually did a really good job with associating them with the Rider Wade. Um, and that's really good to hear, like just kind of a confirmation that it is pretty similar. So I guess I have to say that's pretty close. I just also, because I am partial to animals, I'm always going to have that little bit of like a bias I feel too, where I'm like, oh, I really like that animal and like their energy. So that's why I like the card too. <laughs> I just recently did a spirit animal uh, meditation um and, and you know introducing spell with a with a friend of mine that happened to be an elk oh so really it's funny yes <laughs> you know who you are if you're listening yeah. <laughs> um yeah and then the other one that i was going to choose between is also the three of swords and um that one's been coming up a lot in readings i've been doing for people and it's the elephant and on the card there's an elephant but he's in like a mourning position and there's a skeleton of a um, deceased elephant in front of him with like the sword sticking through it. And the reason that I like this card, while it might seem depressing and dark, uh, is that elephants are very attuned creatures and they mourn their dead. So this card is all about taking time to grieve, but, you know, realizing that it has a place, grieving and then moving on. So, you know, it's a very healthy way of dealing with anything that might be less than satisfactory going on in your life. The one thing that I always found uh, interesting about that card in comparison to the standard rider weight is um, you know, a, a mourning position. You, you think, um, well, in the original uh, illustration of the card, it's a heart during a rainstorm. There's a rainstorm in the background and there are three swords perfectly going uh, through the heart and they are interlocked together. Sometimes they can imply three separate problems that all uh, consist to the big picture of what it is uh, the person's issue is. But it also offers a different kind of hope that these are the three major things that you can uh, sit and reflect on in order to release yourself from this turmoil and Mm -hmm. to move further in the suit. Truth be told, a lot of the sword cards are very, uh, they're definitely, out of all uh, the suits, I definitely think swords has uh, the most, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Aggression? Uh, <laughs> not, <laughs> not necessarily aggression, just, just the most... Just the most uh, troubling illustrations. They're uh, definitely, I mean, well, I guess it makes sense. You think double-edged sword and you think winds of change, so... But you also think of uh, with the element of wind, if you want to equate it to the seven chakras, the element of the heart. So matter mm-hmm. of uh, balancing of where to go between the metaphysical and the physical world. Yeah, it's kind of like a waiting stage, too. And um, yeah, the elephant really ties in well to 
the Rider Wayne one as well because it's about um, acknowledging the grieving stage and allowing yourself to go through it. And like you said, it's kind of like, okay, this is where you are now, but that means that once you go through this, it's going to be like brighter on the other side, kind of. So that's what this card is about um, in my deck as well. Side note, I'm uh, I'm, I'm going to call you out on this because we uh, we we called we called the. Uh... Our good friend here out on uh, repeating something. So here's the. Oh no! What I do? Well, the shot game of today is how 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 often can you mispronounce Arthur Edward? Wait, wait, wait! You're you're saying Wade? Wade. Wade. Yeah. Like, like Wade Barrett or Wade in the water. All right. Well, now you guys have another shot game, which is awesome. It was already four, and I'm doing the hard stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, Don't worry. He wait. has high tolerance. I'll start enunciating my T's. <laughs> Wait, Arthur Edward, wait. Like a lifting weights. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. Fair. Um, okay. So, and then uh, my favorite card for the major arcana is the star. Oh. Yeah. I like it. And I mean, I like it in the regular deck as well. And I also like it in my deck because in the animal totem deck, it's um, a clamshell with a pearl. And it has this like really pretty illustration of like stars around it. And there's a lighthouse in the distance. And I mean, while the card is about being careful what you wish for, it's also about, you know, I mean, the hope that comes along with the star. Lighthouse is associated with it. There's a light in the distance. You know, you have a direction and a place you're going and there's hope. So it's a very hopeful card. Um, ever since I got the deck, I've always kind of been drawn to it. And it's really beautiful. Um, so, yeah. I mean, that's something um, that I like about that card. And I feel like I had it in my Animal Totem reading. I just don't remember which placement it was. It might have been my heart, actually. Which would make a lot of sense. And I'm pretty sure it was. <laughs> I can't believe I don't remember. But uh, I have I have that. And I can uh, definitely get back to people on that. And I like doing the Animal Totem readings because... It goes through your whole life at the moment. Um, you do them every 10 years for like life cycle changes. And it goes from the ground you're planted in all the way up to, um, you know, the kind of like, I guess the stars you would call it, but it's how you connect with like the metaphysical as well. And all of the animals along that align with um, different parts in your life and different parts of your personality and how you react to things. So I think that they're very telling and it's an awesome reading to do for everyone. You liked yours, right, Andrea, when I did it? Oh, I love that one. My favorite part was my heart was the Black Widow. And what was that one in your deck? I want to say that was the moon. No, no, no. You know, your heart was the High Priestess, which high is the priestess, Black Widow. Which is the Black Widow. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, no, the moon was in the card, but it was Yes. yes yeah, so no, the moon, the moon card is an owl. See that 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 warmed my heart in a, in a very. You <laughs> You're know, a black widow spider. Yeah, that my heart is a black widow spider, and and the darkness and the feminine energy and all that. That that always warms my heart. <laughs> well, I had a black widow spider in mine too, towards the top though, towards, towards like top. my third eye and my crown area, um, because it was a lot about not caring like what people think about you and just kind of spinning your web and you doing you. Um, so I like that card. It's good. And again, that's something else that uh people maybe would feel a little bit weird about if they got a black widow for their heart or if they got a black widow for anything they might think it's like oh i got a poisonous spider but 
she's really just about um, being comfortable and confident in who you are and not letting other people's perceptions of you um, bother you. Well, now I hope you'll keep that in mind when dealing with matters of the heart surrounding my life here. I should. (laughs) (laughs) All right. right. Uh, Is there anything uh, you, you wish to interject? No. Just making sure you're still I'm there. I'm still here, I promise. <laughs> I, I would feel terrible if we had talked over you at any point. <laughs> oh, no, it's fine. Okay, good. And sometimes we don't really trust this app all the way because it just cuts people out and you're like, I'm just talking to someone that's not there. <laughs> <laughs> Almost like the people that I was talking to at the state, but that's a story for another time. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's the philosophy podcast that's coming very soon. <laughs> we'll talk politics there. Uh-huh. All right, so your turn then. All right. Uh, Ignatius, what is the card? Uh, that you are most fond of in this deck of wonders. Well, let me start with the the minor tarot, only because uh, got to save the best for last. Should I? Know? Yeah. So uh, now I have to pick a minor one. I thought well, we were just going to pick one card. We got to. Sorry, I broke the rules. Got to up the ante, guy. So, with the minor tarot, uh, the minor tarot, I ended up going along the suit of swords. Um, yes. Something that I do like with these swords is that it is very direct in what uh, matters are. Um, Something that I was very fond of is the four of swords where you have this, uh, this human lying uh, that almost like a statue or a memorial kind of statue laying down on a uh, table or a bed, a stone bed, um, where it was pretty, it's pretty much saying to slow down or take this time of quiet, this time of solace to reflect or to relax or to really grow with what's going on. I oh, really know. Oh, really? <laughs> what is it? No, it's just funny, my fiery <laughs> friend, that your, your car is all about relaxing. <laughs> well, that's mainly because it's something that I do strive to do despite my fiery nature. Very true. And that helps <laughs> make you a balanced person. <laughs> gotta, gotta support the yin and the yang. Come on now. Well, well emphasis definitely on the, uh, on the yin for you, friend. <laughs> Mostly yin. No. <laughs> but you must look yinward. Oh. <laughs> Bad pun. <laughs> punny, very punny. Oh my god! Jeez, oh, this is what we've become. Hold on, let me let my fiery nature come out. Uh, Andrea, I will punch you. In the <laughs> <laughs> wow, getting violent up in here. Oh, All right, guys. Man. Anyway, take it down a notch. But what I do enjoy about this card is the solace that comes with it. Um, I really do enjoy the times where I am able to find uh, what they call golden silence, or there's a golden silence, or how's that go? Silence, silence gold. is golden. Silence. There is yeah, there's gold. a golden rule, and then there's silence is golden. Silence is golden, and you get a lot of different kinds of uh, thought processes going. And for those who actually do not spend enough time. Um, spending time with themselves and i'm not talking about going in home and watching tv or reading a book yes those netflix bingers Mm. um i'm a fan of queer eye that is a really good show (laughs) (laughs) 
It is. I got him into it. Strongly recommend. And my my uh, my doppelganger is on that show. It is Jonathan. This is doppelganger. Putting it out there. If <laughs> anyone ever, whenever you guys get to see pictures of Andrea, I swear to God, they're doppelgangers. Jonathan, if you ever listen to this by some chance, perhaps <laughs> we should meet in person. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, but if you do find yourself, let's say, even sitting in a car, and there's no music on, and you're just driving. If you find yourself reaching for that radio or reaching for a phone to entertain yourself while driving, which I do not condone because that is very dangerous, you cannot text and drive because Mm -hmm. that's just like going to lead you into a pole. Yes. (laughs) But if you do find yourself trying to fill those uh, blank moments in your life, trying to entertain yourself with something it's more times than not you're trying to fill uh, that empty void because you are not comfortable with yourself Mm. and there's something about you you don't like and it's pretty sad when people don't take the time to really get to know themselves yeah i think that's something that um you know a lot of people nowadays need to focus on because we are in a world that has a lot of stimulation Mm -hmm. and whether you're looking for it or not i mean it's kind of everywhere And even now, sometimes myself, like, I mean, my job requires a lot of energy and attention. And then I get home and it's like, okay, like, you just kind of want to do nothing. But at the same time, it really should be to unwind and do nothing. Because I feel like there's still so many things you need to do when you get home that you're not really relaxing. Yeah, exactly. And this is exactly why I enjoy this card so much is because silence is golden. It really is a time for self-reflection, for... Uh, uh, self-growth per se to find out what you enjoy what are you really about and once you find that out you're actually to, uh, able to really grow as a mm-hmm. person uh, as in this case uh, uh, either a pagan wiccan or even any kind of uh, person that you are it really helps build a wonderful foundation uh, which actually brings me on to the major tarot i was actually quite uh, hesitant as to which one I should choose. And now that I really do think of it, as much as I enjoy the Hermit, which kind of goes hand in hand with uh, the Four of Swords, uh, someone who's taking time for themselves, who's engrossing themselves in their studies, finding that uh, golden silence, uh, I kind of enjoy the tarot card. The, the, the tower card, sorry. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad you enjoy the tarot card. <laughs> All of them? <laughs> Technically, one could argue that that's the Wheel of Fortune, though. Because the word tarot, tarot is on... Oh. Yeah, this, yes, 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 guy. <laughs> wow. The tower card is oh, wow. actually of my favorite um, major arcana to draw. And it kind of reminds me that even though there's so much that was built up and then destroyed because of one thing or another, it's reminding me to go back to my roots, to go back to my foundation that can't be rocked. And if someone, um, if you end up drawing this card, and this actually kind of ties into the next portion, which is cards that people are very hesitant to get, but we shan't in only because Andreal needs to talk about his. Mm-hmm. Um, it really does remind me that even though so much that I've built upon it, that it can't shake my foundation and to return to those basics. Otherwise, you really can't rebuild again. 
Ah, my, my. You know, I'm, I'm waiting for someone to, to draw that card uh, when doing a reading about the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Because oh then that one's going to be really obvious. <laughs> oh, my God. It's going to be the easiest $20 you ever made in a tarot reading. But, uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, God, I'm, I'm in such a corny mood. Full of jokes today. All the jokes. I, I see my opportunities, and I will take them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. You know, it's it's quite funny. You know, we talk. We've been talking about the minor and the major arcana, and um, you know, it's really hard for me to choose um, in the suits uh, because they obviously each have their own uh, particular set of lessons that are incorporated with the element and the imagery and the artistry that exists within them. Um, I really, I always liked uh, the two and the three of cups. I always loved those two cards. The two of cups, because you see the crossroads, you see um, uh, the symbol of Mercury, the rising snakes and the, uh, and the lion's head. You um, see the two people in unity. There can be so much symbolism in that particular card. And then the three of cups, um, which um, gives me this feeling of the triple goddess. I see three women of contrasting ages and, and style coming together and um, celebrating as this is so much symbolism existing there. I really like the Ace of Wands because it's this, it, it's almost kind of like the magician card to me in the sense where you're really, you're taking that wand and you're creating the world around you in this very fiery uh, metaphysical sort of way. Um, but I will save a lot of the details um, for the card that I that I love completely, and for my friends who are sitting next to me that are so so tired of me talking about it. Um, <laughs> you've heard me say this a million times. Um, in case this one wasn't obvious, friends and listeners at home, oh, the suspense must be killing you. <laughs> um, my favorite uh, tarot card, and especially uh, within talking about the major arcana is none other than the devil. Now, uh, the devil card um, in particular has hit me in a lot of different ways in my life, especially through my spiritual journey. Not in a direct uh, worship of a Christian depiction of the devil, though if that is your thing, do not you know let me stop you. That's just not the way I necessarily look at it. Um, the devil card uh, actually falls on my birthday. You know, the, the cards cycle, obviously there are, you know, there are 365 days in a year. So these cards cycle, but on one of the days that the devil tends to fall on, um, is my birthday, May 4th and leave all your star Wars jokes at home. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Um, truth be told, I wouldn't know that if it wasn't because of Ignatius, thank you for showing me that, that wonderful, uh, (laughs) bit of information that showed that that card landed on my birthday. Um, so what I love about this card and the, and the symbolism of, of the devil in general, um, it's kind of funny. And I was having this, this existential, this comedic existential crisis when I was making big strides in my spirituality, um, when all these things were finally starting to come together. I'm certain you all know the feeling. Now, the symbolism surrounding the devil was following me everywhere. Faustian stories of all sorts were coming into my lap. And I found myself empathizing with the devil in those stories. I noticed that um, the devil was always nice to good people in the stories. He was just mean and nasty to the nasty and messed up people. 
So that commentary on finding the devil in the mirror, the reflection, if you listen to early episodes, you know I love using mirror magic. And I love the symbolism that surrounds them and the ancient lore. And I, I found it that, you know, I, I always kind of felt like this, this devil that people seem to only cross my path um, when they need to learn something new that'll rock their mind, learn something uh, or that'll completely make them question everything they've ever thought of. You call that in the Bible temptation and the one who tempts is uh, the so-called devil, Satan, correct? Oh, let's see. Somebody is calling popular. me at this moment. Literally no one. It came up blank. Mm, that's Ooh. bizarre. Um, it was the devil. Oh, no, yes. Devil. devil calling. I can't be calling myself. Uh. <laughs> I do not have that kind of money for an extra landline at this time. <laughs> My other phone was yeah. definitely ringing. I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's if it's actually my mother calling me. Yeah, she gets off she gets off work at this time. Um, I suppose I will finish up with my explanation and then give her a buzz. <laughs> um, uh, she did give birth to the devil. Truth be told, she wanted to name me Damien, then didn't name me that because she was superstitious of the movie. Oh my god! But uh... <laughs> yeah, definitely <laughs> interesting call, nonetheless. Um, but uh, yes, that, that symbolism that, that surrounds this, this, this entity, you know, this person. And I, another thing that, that I love to do, you know, in the realms of healing is making people aware of their dark side, bringing their dark side uh, to, to a balance in tandem with their light side, and then helping them use that combination to finally transcend themselves into who they truly are. Now, um, if you look in the description and the illustration of the devil card, you see the devil, the, uh, the depiction of the sabbatic goat, bat wings, and the hypnotic stare with the inverted pentagram over his head. Now, that hypnotic stare, that, that, that devilish allure, you know, and all the symbolisms from old that, that come to life. You know, we think, uh, you know, the term goat, we think scapegoat we think scapegoating our problems onto something else you know people need something to blame when their life goes wrong something to push back when they don't want to deal with what it is they need to deal with when nine times out of ten your problems lie in the mirror they lie with yourself and that gets to the rest of the illustration of the of the card in and of itself uh the the male and the female that are chained to him but they have loose chains around their neck implying that they put those chains there as well. The phrase, the devil you know, rather than the devil you don't, rings true in this particular situation. Now, this card is the mirror image, the adjacent dark side of the card, the lovers, which also makes sense because in numerology, card number 15, which is the devil, adds up to six at the octave lower. So, and the lovers there... Uh, they have the prosperity around him. The, the female is surrounded by, by the fruits and the nature, and you see the snake and all things that are earthy. And man is surrounded by, by a tree that is on fire. You know, the, the fiery passion, the torch that lights the way. Now, that surrounds them in the lover's card. But in the devil's card, they are literally being consumed by those things. One has, the male has a tail of fire. The female has a tail that seems to be sprouting what, what appears to be grapes. They are slowly becoming more and more consumed by their primal energies that they won't address. Commentary on letting on n not 
uh, understanding that you are repressing yourself and that repression is coming out in whichever way possible and it will become more noticeable the longer you stay chained to the devil the vampire bat wings also imply the lecherous tendencies that are surrounded by letting these these things win but the devil is not necessarily good or evil he just is he exists he is there's another reason why he is connotated with a lot of entities and deities at the crossroads the inverted pentacle talking about the more earthy or dark sides of magic and dark Dark and black magic, not being necessarily evil, just more powerful, more primal, uh, definitely gets your results a little bit faster, definitely has a little bit more color and contour to it. So the symbolism is uncanny. And uh, truth be told, the symbolism follows me everywhere. It, it, ever since I have acknowledged this, there's not a day that goes by that this energy doesn't kind of sit with me. So when I draw this with people, it could be a variety of things that are going on. And if anything, it always gives me the most entertainment when it ends up becoming equated back to, well, what is, what more can I do for this person? So it, it's this very, it's this very give and take sort of energy that uh, always tickles me right in the chest. So uh, that's my long winded description. <laughs> All right. I like it. No, I think that uh, this is very interesting to hear. We all pick very different cards. So um, that's pretty cool. And I think it'd be great to um, get a picture of everyone's cards. Michelle could send us a picture of hers too. Um, and then we can put it up and just kind of compare them and let everyone know. And something great as well is anyone listening, if, uh, if you want to let us know on Instagram, uh, you know, at Witchy Page, what your favorite cards are and why. I would love to share it. I mean, that's really cool. We'd love to get to know you guys more. We'll do a fan mail episode. Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, that would be really cool. If um, if actually, if you guys want to email us at uh, witchypage at gmail.com with your favorite card and an explanation, um, then we'll totally like highlight you in the next episode in the beginning. That'd be really cool too. Awesome. Nice. I mean, I think that went really well. Thank you guys all for sharing. And then something that we're going to segue into now is intimidating <coughs> cards that people pull. One of the most intimidating <laughs> cards that we all would find. What what would you think if you were to draw as the the your least favorite card to run across? Yes. And you and Ignatius kind of brought up some of uh, people's intimidating cards, I would think. That Ironic would be his enough. favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I suppose the same with uh, one could be said the same with mine as well. Though, truth be told, I think I'd rather draw the devil than the tower. But I guess it depends Ooh. on what I'm asking. But again, it is how on you're asking it. But also, I guess it just means that I enjoy destruction <laughs> to my element of fire. <laughs> and I just, I'm just a vain fire. bastard, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> like, yours sounds a little bit more flattering. <laughs> I, <laughs> I do have to say, though, it is pretty commentary between myself and Andreel is we have a very yin-yang relationship with each other. You know, him dark, me light, as opposed to everything else. But um, I do have to say, if one only sees uh, on the light side of things, you're blinded by everything. And yet, if you're only uh, dwelling within the darkness, once again, you are still blind to nothing but black. Very true. I mean, you know, living in extreme is uh, not healthy for anyone. Um, yeah, Michelle, uh, when you either do readings or if you, you know, do readings for yourself, what are some cards that you think people find intimidating? Um, so, oh gosh, 
I'm trying to think. Um, for me, I find the Wheel of Fortune very intimidating. Really? Yes. Um, because there is this like kind of like rinse repeat type of motion because you know everything goes back around and you're like I don't like repeating myself and I don't like like getting in that habit even though I love being comfortable it's just one of those things it's like I don't want to be comfortable maybe I want to go outside of my limits so every time I see the wheel of fortune I'm like I don't want to oh okay yeah that's an interesting point to bring um I feel like I wouldn't have normally thought of that. A lot of people see it as a yeah. good thing, but when you when you take a look at it, yeah, I mean, it kind of shakes yeah, you up a bit. Because you're just like you're getting to those different points, and you're like, okay, I'm back at the top again. How is this going to rotate around again? Like, how is yeah? It's very that's true. Yeah, I mean, you really don't know where it's going to go at that. And point. you don't know if it's going to get stuck. See- that's the problem. Like. Ah, true. I do see it as the way that you're explaining it as a game of Russian yeah. roulette. <laughs> it's like, spin the wheel. Let's see where it lands. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I think of the Wheel of Fortune, I um I don't know if y'all have seen the show Xena. Xena. Warrior Princess. Mm. It's a 90s show. Oh! Yeah, yeah, I've seen Xena Warrior They had a whole episode. Uh, I thought you were going to reference John Cena. <laughs> no, Cena with the no. Um, oh my God. It's, it, it's based on Greek mythology. She's an Amazon princess. Everything like that. Um, So one of their episodes, it was really trippy. It was based around <laughs> the tarot. And yeah, really? it's, it's a very interesting episode. And like the very last part and it was a musical too like it was it was like tarot musical it was it was very interesting um but like one of the last scenes was the wheel of fortune because the wheel of fortune is the very last card in the major arcana yeah Yeah. right oh interesting that kind of reminds me of that um do you ever see that like hercules show too it's like a very old yeah yeah it xena is actually i think xena was on it's actually a um a spinoff of Hercules. Oh, okay, yeah. that makes sense now. Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, that's interesting that it even it made it into pop culture. I mean, to have the tarot cards talked about like that and explained um, in a different kind of visual mm-hmm. form is very interesting. Yeah, it was it was just very interesting. And like as a kid, I didn't realize that it was like the tarot because it was before right. I started reading cards and before I was getting into like like I. I felt that I was a witch, but I wasn't really practicing. So, yeah. Right. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. I mean, nineties shows are great. So, honestly, <laughs> don't you love those moments when you when you think back and reminisce yeah. on your life? It's like, <laughs> oh, I'm such a baby. <laughs> I was so little and innocent. <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah. I mean, for me, uh, I'm trying to think. Maybe. What I would find into me, um, I don't know. I guess it kind of depends. Oh, <laughs> well, I was gonna say that when I do a lot of readings, people are afraid of like the mm-hmm. devil, and they are afraid of the tower. And I feel like yes. people also are afraid of yes. death. 
death is definitely of the most uh, misconstrued and way too direct forward of what they see. And most times not. It is just merely the end of one uh, chapter in your life and the beginning of another. Yeah, I think people don't always um, take that into account. They kind of look at it at face value, like you said, and it just intimidates them into, oh, God, is someone or something going to die? Like, what? It's like, no, I mean, it could just be the death of bad habits. It could be the death of anything, really. I mean, it could be a very positive card, depending on what's around it. I kind of can't help but uh, uh, mess around with people just a little bit with that card and Uh just look them straight in the eye and go, yes, you're going to die. Yeah. (laughs) Just mess with people. It's just like, well, that's not untrue. Everyone's going to die. So. Uh, I feel like also maybe the Queen of Swords can be a little intimidating to some people, uh, depending on who pulls it and why they're pulling it, like what the uh, reading's about. Because with the Queen of Swords, um, in my deck, it's a wolf. And she has her tiara and she's like, you know, laying her paws on the swords, on the sword rather. And um, it's like a wintry forest uh, setting. And she's all about being very direct and kind of like okay like it's no nonsense like this is it's time to do your job it's time to do what you have to do and you know i'm not taking any any crap this is it this is what you have to do i'm telling you right now and it's a very direct very honest card so sometimes people can be a little intimidated by um pure honesty you know where maybe they're not used to being honest with themselves or you know, other people that often, and when the Queen of Swords comes up, it's very like, okay, like, this is it. I'm not beating around the bush. Yeah, a lot of people don't like to confront that that feeling of, like, you act an absolute, like, you have to do this no matter what type of, yeah, feeling. Um, there's yeah. another card that a lot of my friends and, like, people that I've read for um the ten of swords i think i mentioned this last episode but like oh mm-hmm. you beat me yeah. <laughs> oh well go right ahead. yeah it's the like I, I i always associate it with anxiety and like these like harsh feelings of like what is going to happen oh god like dread anxiety like depression um and like this inability to move forward so, yeah. No, wait. Did you did you say the ten of swords? I it's, heard that right. I'm pretty sure it's the ten of swords, or is it the nine of swords? The one, the, with, the, the, uh, the one with the bed, I think. Yeah. Where she's up yeah. in the bed. Yes, that's the nine of swords. The ten of swords is when all ten are in the back. Okay, so you didn't beat ah, me to sorry. it. You just had one card before yes. it. The nine of swords. I always get it confused because I know it's at the end, and I'm like, oh god, there's so many of them. They're so both, they're both pretty yes. Yeah. Oh, so. yeah. Very depressing. Yeah. It's the only suit that doesn't actually have a happy sort of ending. <laughs> yeah, because, like, there's... Yeah. Well, swords are inherently well, dangerous. I mean, obviously, it's always the user. But, you know, unless you're carving something with them, they're usually intended for, you know, destructive yes. purposes. I would say maybe the five <laughs> of swords. Where he's carrying the, like, he's picking up the swords and, like, people are leaving. I guess that could be thought of as, like, you venturing on your own and, um, like, separating yourself from this, like, the, 
unneeded like energy but again people might construe it as depressing as heck yeah yeah i mean if you think about it it is an ending to um you know in a sense and if people aren't ready to kind of move on they might feel like oh no i have to like kind of stay back and i don't want to leave people behind or move on to anything so depending on how it comes up and who the person is Ah, wonderful. So, uh, so the Ten of Swords, one after nine. Um, <laughs> this is the one where uh, this person is dead on the ground, face Yay. face of pool of his own death, and death. You know, the, there's all all the swords are sticking out of this person's back. The key words with this car is victimhood, poor self esteem, letting yourself be victimized. Yeah, it's. Uh, that is definitely the most clear card of loss that always tends to come uh, in in readings of certain in certain things. I remember one time when I drew it for something that I was looking for a better outcome of. I remember I remember the exact moment when I was so frustrated, and that card hit me like a ton of bricks. It's like, oh, yep, there it is. All of these cards have come true. Uh, so honestly, that particular card, I'd argue that that card's worse than the tower, unless you draw them together in which case Ooh. you should really be prepared to feel like garbage <laughs> well, I don't know. The... <laughs> well let's see the tower is external forces that just knock you down as opposed to ten of swords that's just like your own fault yeah, yeah if you're getting hit from all sides at that yeah. point yeah and and your attitude towards towards it once it ends mm. so yeah that one in particular out of any card i can draw that uh that that one definitely seems like the worst one to me uh i at least in regards to myself when other people are drawing it it's like oh well that sounds like a you problem <laughs> <laughs> but there is something to to look forward to it's you know once you once you're that dead you you know you can't get much worse <laughs> oh my god there's no there's no card in here where someone's urinating on someone's face so I, I, don't, I don't think you can get any deader <laughs> no deader or no gutter than that no god. Oh, my god. <laughs> Um, another deceivingly intimidating card that I think people draw that I think they have a lot of mixed views about is the moon in particular. Mm. Now that card actually has a variety of, re- uh, of, uh, of meanings. And I've noticed that really that card has the most versatile uh, sort of uh, definitions, especially depending on uh, what is drawn with it. I, I've i noticed that that card can have to do with introspection and using that introspection and your subconscious to transcend and finally bring it to the light, um, especially if you draw it with other good cards. But honestly, in, uh, in certain other questions, I've noticed that it can have to, it can denote deception or even someone else causing you problems without you knowing it. So there's, that, that card is definitely a little more unnerving than flat out in your face so i'd argue that your own mental torture as to how you interpret it and uh where your reading is going can determine how much it drives you crazy though i love it yeah michelle do you ever find anyone uh intimidated by that card in particular the moon no um i've never had anybody intimidated by the moon that i remember yeah I don't yeah. remember anybody. I and I oh, okay. and I understand all the symbology behind it and like 
but and I try to explain that like I try to explain every symbol that's associated in every card especially the major arcana because it really does help with like with understanding and getting like a semi-accurate reading I I never say accurate reading because people are like well it's not how it's 100% I'm like well nothing's 100% so I always, I always like semi accurate reading guaranteed. <laughs> I can guarantee you a semi accurate like, reading. Like I'm not saying it's a hundred percent because you'll call me a like you'll call me a um a fake or a phony or like I'm you're just trying to get money out of me. Yeah, they'd be like, oh, you're you're bamboozling. Yeah, bamboozling. It is a one hundred percent suggestive reading. Yeah. <laughs> but we are talking over the phone right now, so are we not all phonies? Oh my god! <laughs> What's with the all today? the puns, all of them. I don't know why. I'm just Fine. feeling the dynamic to really make our guest. Okay, <laughs> just for uh, reference to all the listeners, each one of us just sighed at his very not so punny jokes. Yeah, you can hear us. <laughs> I mean, he's not usually the punny one. I have to tell you, I'm usually like the queen of puns that are like super lame too. I'm completely at the whim of where my emotions uh, decide to take me. Mm-hmm. I'm a man of fate. <laughs> That's an excuse of a Pisces moon there. <laughs> um, And I think I will finish up the intimidating things with one more. Uh, The Five of Pentacles. Now, for me, uh, in my deck, it's the raccoon dog. And for anyone that doesn't know, raccoon dogs are Japanese. Uh, they're hunted for their fur. And not a lot of people know about them because they're honestly overhunted for their fur. And uh, the picture of the Five of Pentacles in my deck is a wintertime scene. There's like a kind of a stone cottage in the background with the Five of Pentacles all around a window. And there's a cart in the front with five raccoon dog pelts. Now, it seems really depressing because it's cold and it's there's dead raccoon dogs, which is really sad. I mean, yeah, I never really want to see a dead animal ever or anything used for its fur um, without, you know, obviously respecting the whole animal. Um, and so with this one, the Five of Pentacles warns you about the repercussions of your decisions. So it could be intimidating. It could not, depending on the cars around it and how the person feels at the time. But it's very about, like, choosing wisely um, and finding out why you cling to certain energy. And then this way, you'll be able to come in from the cold, so to speak. Because right now, it's a very cold um, card that is surrounded by, uh, like, almost like finite death. Because it's like uh, furs. Um, And, you know, it's a very depressing thing to think of, like, a fur trade where they don't respect animals. And they just, you know, are pretty cruel. And so... I think that might be a little intimidating to some people. I know that it makes me a little sad to look at just the illustrations in general, um, even if maybe the card isn't itself isn't always so bad. Uh, and then, you know, in the writer wait, uh. <laughs> the writer wait uh, deck, it's the picture of, you know, I mean, a, a crippled boy and a woman that looks like she's poor. She's in rags. They're outside in the cold during winter. And behind them is the stained glass with the five of pentacles. Kind of reminds me of like the little match girl story a little bit where she's outside freezing in the cold looking in on this family eating a wonderful Christmas dinner like in one of her hallucinations. And it's kind of depressing as well. It gives a little bit of a depressing feel. Um, 
you know, and so I think that that can be found imitate intimidating by a lot of people. Cool. Um, yeah. So that kind of is all, uh, uh, right for intimidating cards. Anyone else want to mention anything? Or are you pretty good? I'll do one more quick one more. scan. Just one more quick scan. You're going to check them all out. Here we go. Do, do the, do and it's interesting because like our artwork is very different. Um, the writer weight tarot deck and my animal tarot deck while somewhat similar in the settings, uh, the illustrations are very different, but I feel like they still give you the same feelings and, you know, your intuition kind of guides you in the same direction with them. Um, the person that did it, like I said before, did a really good job connecting the cards. Um, and, you know, I mean, for me to look at the raccoon dogs and get the same kind of emotions that I get when I look at the one in the Rider Waite deck, uh, I think it's really cool. Fair enough. I think mm-hmm. uh, I think we're we're good for now. I think we've given a, a decent amount of meat to this sandwich of an episode. Yeah. And um so the next time we'll have a part three because you know, I mean, I'm really happy that we run out of time because it means that, you know, it's easy for us to talk and we always have great people on the show and uh everything smooth uh, goes really smoothly. Uh so next time we'll talk about tarot and pop culture and perception. Uh, and then also uh, tarot cards in rituals. It's that one will uh, give you plenty ideas uh, at home for people who have never done spellcraft surrounding the magnificent artistry and symbolism that has existed in these amazing tools. Yes. And also something I think that's very important um, is education uh, in this space. And it kind of goes along uh, to tie it together to the witch kit from Sephora. I mean, a lot of people's complaints were that there was no education going along with this kit. People would just buy it, but there was really no explanation as to how to use the objects in their kit. Uh, The perfume was pretty self-explanatory, but people have never used tarot cards before, or they have a negative view of tarot cards. And they think it's a very like, uh, all or nothing kind of thing like you said where they think it's like absolute accurate answers it's like okay it's semi-accurate like you know it's never going to be 100% it's not like a doom and gloom fortune teller and maybe with sage and with the crystals I mean they're all great but again magic is about intention so they're really just objects until you put your intention in them and if people don't really know that or understand that then materials won't really work well for them and then it might deter them from pursuing any sort of spiritual path So I think education on top of, you know, the fun stuff that we talk about and things like that is important. And I kind of want to make sure we include that in this show, because when we're talking about tarot cards or really anything, candle magic or spells or anything, I want everyone to feel free to ask questions. Um, You know, I want to include as much information as possible and You know, that's why we're also going to cover tarot and pop culture and perception to see what other people feel and how they think and what they perceive. And then also, um, I mean, I guess you could say what the truth is, sort of, even though it's kind of really up to interpretation with people a lot of the time and personal like preferences. Um, And also tarot cards and rituals is kind of a personal preference. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think that's something really important. And if you guys want to email us, um, witchypage at gmail.com, you can email us your perceptions of tarot uh, or pop culture references to tarot or anything. Um, I mean, we we're just talking about how it is in Xena Warrior Princess. So any of your experiences with that, 
or maybe even if you want to talk about um a story where you used to maybe not really like tarot cards or think that they were negative or something and then all of a sudden you know the more you learned about them then you realized how wonderful they were so we'll take stories like that too um we'll take stories where you always knew they were awesome we'll take stories where you're still not sure about them uh if you have any questions you know, feel free to ask and we'll um, definitely try to answer them on the podcast next time. So we would love that if all of our listeners would write into us. Um, we love that you would write into us anyway. If you just want to talk about whatever, you have an idea for the show or, you know, you want a question on a past episode, you want answered, anything, feel free uh, to message us. Um, and also follow us uh, Witchy Page on Instagram and Facebook. And we also have the Spellcast page where I still have to update show notes because I'm really far behind. And then we also have the Spellcast private group. Uh, and so we encourage everyone to join that. That's free to join for any listeners. Um, and then we also have Spellcast Coven now, which is reserved for the Anchor listener supporters and soon-to-be Patreon supporters. Um, and that's a private group where you get the special content that comes along with being a supporter. So the extra live videos, the um, extra, you know, uh, pre-recorded videos where we're going to start including kitchen witchery things like that we'll have extra content um yeah and uh, you get to see our faces our ooh. beautiful beautiful faces <laughs> yes well, most of us anyway yeah well it's a private group so <laughs> no, no, no no i'm talking about the pretty face thing uh, well <laughs> it's a private group and Feature so um we would ask everyone to respect anonymity for Andrea and um, Ignatius because they have careers in which it might not be it might not be the best for them uh, to you know kind of have this tied to them at the moment until they make it in their perspective careers um not that there's anything to be ashamed of but did we you do... say perspective careers did you just say that oh god I'm sorry that's not what I meant <laughs> you know what I mean the careers yeah the careers that you're pursuing is sort of what I meant yeah. um <laughs> And then, so this way, you know, not that there's anything to be ashamed of. It's just you still have, kind of have to work with the parameters of society and how people do perceive things. Um, we so. must play the game, friends. Unfortunately, Unfortunately at the Unfortunately, it is. But once we are where, we, where it is we need to be, then everything will proudly come together. And uh, then you'll see a new world order. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Back to the weird cult talk that sometimes happens. Um, so, yeah. Uh, awesome. Thank you, Michelle, so much for joining us. We hope that you will return for the part three. Yeah, no, I would love to be on part three. I can't wait to hear some <laughs> people's like reactions or explanations of like what they've seen in pop culture. Yeah, yeah. Please, everybody, write into us. That'll be great. Um, and then also, if you'd love to rate and review the show on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Anchor, I know you can favorite us, and then. We're on something called Podbean now, which just sounds adorable. <laughs> and I don't know if you can rate and review us on that. Don't but... all beans come in pods? It's a joke. Uh, it's a podcast <laughs> and it's a pee pod. Wait, so why, why do they get to make corny jokes? <laughs> Is there a company? I don't know. I make money doing it. Um, so, well, we, yeah, I don't know. Um, but if wherever you can rate and review us, we'd super appreciate it, especially on iTunes. Help us keep, it helps us keep a really good standing with them. And that matters, unfortunately. Uh, so, you know, I mean, obviously our most important thing is that our listeners enjoy us, but to remain on iTunes and easy to listen to, rating and reviewing is also appreciated. Um, and then check out the Craft Crossroads. I mean, because we all call on that together and we have some really cool stuff out, uh, like wands, especially for Maybon and Soween. They're 
out right now because we want people to be able to get them before those major holidays. Special sale, go. Yes, and we'll also have special sales and giveaways. So if you follow us on that Instagram page um, and also check us out on the Craft Crossroads on Facebook, then you can have access to the special um, you know, content, special deals and giveaways, everything like that. And you get to see our fun new workspace because we put that up in a video. Um, yeah. So thank you guys so much uh, for tuning in. We really appreciate it. And uh, we just want to let you know that there's a little witch in all of us. Blessed be friends. And until next time, remember, the spirits always live in the mirror. All right. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Bye.